welcome to the Data Democracy. Presented by renowned O'Reilly author Olaf Olsen Banyut. Empowered by Xenia. Make your data accessible and discoverable by anyone, anywhere, at any time. Hi, Jenny. Hi, Ola. Hi, I'm excited to have you. Hi, everybody. You're listening to The Data Democracy, and I'm your host, Ole Olesen Benjur, Chief Evangelist in Sinea and the author of the Enterprise Data Catalog published by O'Reilly. In this podcast, we explore what an enterprise data democracy is. A data democracy is about obtaining a state where you can let anyone find anything from anywhere at any time. And this has a lot of possibilities, but also needs limitations to work. And it's a state that is very difficult to obtain. And all this is what we talk about on the show. Today's guest is Jenny Andrew. Jenny is head of data at the Chartered Society of Physiotherapy and Dharma UK committee member. As such, Jenny is occupied with all things data, meaning data quality, data governance, master data management, data integration, data strategies, data modeling, data architecture, data analysis, as well as research, SQL, union organizing campaigns, adult education, controlled vocabularies, and statistics. And all this is quite a mouthful. Jenny has a PhD from the University of Liverpool. Her first degree was oceanography with chemistry, and her PhD was physical oceanography, gigantic global satellite sea level data sets, which is where it all starts to get interesting. As this conversation unfolds, I will ask Jenny how her professional experience and personal views affects what she thinks an enterprise data democracy is and how it should be practiced. On a personal note, I have followed Jenny on LinkedIn and Mastodon for a while, and I suggest that you do too. I think she is a rare voice in the data community with extensive experience and some bold, interesting takes on the data tech vendors that I hope we will get to discuss more in this conversation. And yes, Jenny, you should take that as a compliment. <laughs> so, to, <laughs> so to open the conversation, can you share a bit more on your profession, professional experience, Jenny, and what you do? Yeah, of course. And I, when you when you read it all like that, it sounds like it is a mouthful. It's a bit of a, a shopping list. So I suppose let's start with a little bit of a story to go with that. Um, so yeah. the, the PhD in physical oceanography is as good a place as any to start. Um, that was looking at uh, satellite sea level uh, data um, and whether we can use that snapshot of the Earth's surface to infer what's going on in the, the subsurface ocean, very relevant to the state of the climate today. And I, I suppose it was big data before big data was big. Um, <laughs> now, that was actually quite a typical background to take into my next stage of my career, which was working at the British Oceanographic for those of you who don't know what the British Oceanographic Data Centre is, um, it's a public sector institution, really. It's the national repository for marine environmental um, data. And we had a big team of mostly data specialists, a few software uh, developers as well. Um, many of us with a, a foot in environmental research, scientific research. And 
spent 10 years there kind of testing the the limits of data management theory and and practice really at the at the scale of national and international environmental research communities so you know, when we when oh. we talk about uh, data catalogs a, a lot of what we were doing was the discovery metadata that sort of pulls together um, these you know internationally distributed data repositories into unified portals so like big big scale stuff it was it was really really interesting work um and then i sidetracked into trade unions um there's a there's a different data environment and i actually you know a couple of years ago i became the first data specialist data lead in a uk union and of course you get in there and it's the ubiquitous story of data modernization in a in a legacy organization but oh boy are we a legacy organization you know we're 130 years old um we are deeply and and proudly traditional um we've got uh you know a largely volunteer workforce and there's an interesting challenge when you know we we start thinking about data management beyond our sphere of control and of course trade unions we we are participatory we are democratic institutions and that that has inherent challenges with it becomes really interesting when we start to think about how a data democracy might interact with a, a, an organization or quite a quite a strictly constituted organizational democracy oh yes this is uh this is spine stimulating indeed. I mean, um, so so I took a look at your at, at your resume on on LinkedIn also uh, in preparation of this conversation, and 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 I was also struck by this change that you made from yeah. from like your scientific background and um, the the topic the the area of uh, of study uh, in your scientific background, and then to this. To this um, new role where you basically, I mean, changed the topic of study, but continued with I don't know the practices and the methodologies of data management. What 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 really triggered that change? Well, I, I mean, to be honest with you, I I've always been a trade union member. Um, I'm mm -hmm. I'm a generations deep trade union member. You know, my my great granddad was a union organizer. My great great granddad was a union general secretary. It's been in the family forever. And while I was working at the the British Oceanographic Data Centre, I, I was the local union rep, and it just it became a mm -hmm. real passion. Very you know very immediately uh, rewarding. And eventually, I thought this is something that I want to do full time um but very very interesting time to change as well it was uh just in the the final run up to the implementation of gdpr um and i'd gone from a very data mature environment um where you know it was like oh gdpr coming along it's okay because we've got everything indexed we we know exactly where all the personal data is we can handle this we've got the metadata to cope just switch the button and we're off. 
and then you go into a very legacy non-data native uh, environment where people are going oh we 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 don't even know what we have you know it could be it could be anywhere everything's in paper records and i i i became i suppose a bit of a well, a bit notorious shall we say for agitating for data modernization across um across the movement you know there's there's real interesting work to be done there it sounds like you followed a uh, a, a passion and someone that something that uh, also r- runs in the family so to say um but at the same time it's also something that I imagine it being rather um like um how can you say hard uh, to the point even where you um, must have felt quite uh, challenged by moving from such a modern setup mature setup uh yeah. even large scale scale high high tech setup um yeah. at the university or research environment and into this legacy uh, movement i mean or legacy reality how, how did it like did it affect it, it's maybe a little bit off topic but did it affect you personally no, i've tried something I think, similar i mean in my opinion. i think it's important i think it's important to address that um i i think one of the things that's very striking is going from a big very supportive team you know this you know the, this this network of people i was you know i had been working alongside you know decades deep veterans of you know really the forefront of of data management theory and practice to all of a sudden I'm out on my own, right? You know, very isolated as a data practitioner in the trade union world. What's wonderful at the moment is I I was the first head of data in the UK movement. There are three of us now, and that's that's really exciting. But also I've been, um, you know, working quite hard, I would say, to, to find, um, you know, connections outside the the trade union movement as well you know those those people who i can bounce ideas off say like am i am i bonkers is this gonna work um you know <laughs> so that i've got i've got somebody to to check against and there are there are great examples of that you know it's one of the things that's useful in in linkedin it's one of the the reasons i'm active on linkedin is to f- make those connections across industries it's one of the reasons that i'm active in dama uk in my professional body so that you know i i have that network of people who can sanity check my ideas you know because it when you are n equals one not just in your organization but like in your in your sector that's a that's a lonely place. It's easy to to go off at a wrong direction, and you know who's going to stop you. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. T- tell me more about the Dharma setup. I, I've been following Dharma for for quite a while. I am a, an avid reader of um, the Dharma DM book. That's the Dharma Data Management Book of Knowledge that's published by the Dharma Community. I think everyone that's a serious data practitioner at some point has 
read parts of or the entire uh, data management book of knowledge, right? It's really yeah. a, a must read. So, so yeah. how does it work? You're, you're part of the UK chapter of Dharma, right? That's right, the UK chapter. So uh, Dharma International is the, the, the publisher of the, the DM Bok. It's the, the awarder of, of uh, certified data management uh, professional qualifications. And uh, we are one of a number of, of uh, chapters dotted around um, the world. We've got, you know, there's, um, we've, we've got a conference coming up of the uh, Europe, Middle East and African chapters um, of, of Dama International. Um, you know, it, it, it's all over the world, but each of the um, chapters runs uh, kind of semi-independently. We've got you know, kind of constitutional rules that come down from uh, Dharma International. But we are, I, I would say, in the UK, more than anything, we are a, a kind of self-organizing community of data management professionals. You know, we, uh, you know, we run events, we have a brilliant, brilliant mentoring scheme, you know, we, we do webinars, um, we, uh, uh, put submissions into government inquiries into data management relative, relevant um, issues. You know, so we are pulling together that that kind of crowdsourced expertise in in data management, really to to bolster the the um, the status and the recognition of the the profession in the UK. Ah, that sounds like a. A great help, especially in the situation you're in, where okay, I understand that the community of, of, of head of data is, is growing uh, inside unions in, in the UK, but still, it must be very nice to be to, to be able to rely on on the Dharma community. Well, it so. is, and I mean, honestly, you know, trade unions, professional bodies, like it's uh, yeah. It, what kind of trade unionist would I be if I wasn't actually engaged with that professional community myself? Yeah, yeah, of course, that is uh, that is right. So um, I also feel like asking, uh, you mentioned this legacy setup in terms of technology. <laughs> yeah. uh, I've been an enterprise architect for a long uh, period uh, in, in my career. Um, and it's a profession that I, 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 I deeply uh, I deeply love simply I, I've, I've really enjoyed being an enterprise architect also uh, because I have been very fortunate to have very skilled colleagues I've been learning a lot from them uh, very a very very skilled CIO uh, that I have worked with uh, she was able to uh, to push uh, the IT department that we worked in into a, a completely new uh, strategic uh, level of, of, of maturity um, so, so just by curiosity, I, I, I simply want to know, okay, so this legacy setup, how is it built? How, do, how many applications do you have? How old are they? You, you mentioned that the union itself is 135 years old, right? Yeah. So I, I guess, I mean, I, I, as an enterprise architect, I recently, like a couple of years ago, I found servers that have been running from since uh, 1972, right? <laughs> still, they were still, they <laughs> were still something. running. <laughs> yeah, that, and I I felt okay. I'm getting into archaeology here. It's it's really yeah. really. But uh, what about I, I you? Mean, honestly, I love this stuff. I absolutely, you know, this is you know, if I I think if I had a completely free hand, I would spend my life, you know, absolutely 
buried in the the, the technical details of, of data architecture. I love it. Absolutely mm. love it. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But likewise. you know, um, it's it's an it's an unusual thing uh, for an organization of our scale to to have a like a, a a data architect on the books we have 160 odd staff right that's the size of the that's the size of the staff body mm-hmm. whereas we have 65,000 members that's the scale of the services that's the scale of the complexity that we're serving right most most of our work is done by volunteers right that's yeah. the, that's the type of uh, of complexity uh, that we're running right um we have uh, we have research and development departments. We have uh, a big, strong uh, public relations department. We have all the usual business functions. We have um, we have industrial relations and employment um, uh, law specialists. We have these incredibly diverse um, uh, functions going on. We we have a library. You know we you know we are the we are the center of physiotherapy like you know pool knowledge in the same way that dama uk is for data management in the uk the csp it does fills that role for physiotherapy so incredibly uh, complex organization way beyond what you might guess from from the scale of our resources and you can see this when you look at um the the data architecture now um, I think probably our real um, uh, dinosaur piece in the mix at the moment is our uh, legacy subscription system, which of course is on the way out, right? And that's 20 years old, right? And, mm. and really a, a quite archaic uh, piece of kit, but o- only 20 years old, not, not been around since the 1970s, but this is, it, it's, the, the master source of our member data, right? It's the linchpin of absolutely everything we do as an organization. And yeah. you can see when you look at everything else that's happening, it's put its tendrils out into the rest of the organization, out into the rest of the, the technology estates. And not just the technology, you know, you see, the, the the teams forming around it, you see the processes forming around it. So when you come to replace that thing, you are dismantling everything that, you know, the, the people, the process, the technology, the data, like everything working together. Um, we, at, I landed in um, really at the outset of a succession of, of big, important system change projects. And first, first data architect that they have, and it's like, oh, we are we are really going to need a strategic data architecture, and everything we're doing, we're, we're designing that on the fly and aligning on the fly all of these system change um, projects as they as they come along. You know, the the subscription system, the finance system, the library system, one after another. So it has been consuming and at the same time um there i am trying to at least sow the seeds of 
you know, data governance and uh, mass data management and, you know, a, a good use of analytics. The, the, the whole, you know, the, why, why are we even doing this? Like, why, why do we want the technology if we're not going to actually put it to work in the end? And yet trying to, to get all of that spinning at the, at the same time, it's wild. Yeah, this is really, I mean, I, I feel like uh, getting my hands dirty with all this technology as well. It's, it's, it's very interesting, like how we, at the same time, depend on legacy uh, technology and, um, and, and, and really can't um, function because of that legacy technology. At the same time, it's this big paradox, right, where we can't you can't live with the legacy technology, but you can't live without it either, right? You can't that's, you can't tear it apart, and it's very very complex. That's right. I I also I also think that you know there has to be a a certain degree of respect for him. You know, it's got us mm -hmm. this far. Now we you know yes we're in a different a different world now than we were twenty years ago, and we can't assume that what got us here will get us onwards. And yet we do have to say, look, you know, what you built 20 years ago, great. Like, you know, it, it has it has served its purpose up until this point. But, you know, you see, you know, 20 years ago, uh, a subscription system like this one, you know, the, the, the member data asset probably stayed in one place. It was principally of interest to one small team doing, you know, membership admin. But what's changed mm -hmm. now is everyone wants a piece of that, right? And course, you know, they course, yeah, yeah. every everybody expects the the data to flow out of that system to wherever they are. Everyone, you know, what, whatever their concept of you know the meaning of that data is, they they expect it to mean the same thing in 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 every part of the organization. And there's this reckoning of wow, we all we all have different functions, we all have different purposes for this data. We all in our in our separate teams we speak different languages, um, and and so that data can't mean the same thing, you know, the, to to every different person around the organization. Yes, I mean. Um... This conversation could go in a lot of directions. I, we, I think we could that, go for days. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think we could, Jenny. Uh, and I, uh, I will also be joining the conference in uh, the Dharma conference in Bologna um, in the fall, uh, and so uh, so we will get the chance to talk there. Um, Brilliant. Uh, I, I moving a little bit into the topic of data democracy uh, more specifically. I would be very curious to 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 learn how how do you empower the various parts of uh, of um, of of the uh, the, the various departments in your organization and also the members just the yeah. members how do you how do you actually provide them with the data they need how do they do you are they capable of working with data themselves in the way that they want what what is what are the obstacles what what possibilities do you see how do how do you try to 
democratize data in your in your organization. This is so interesting. I could go for days on on just this one subject. But actually, you know, when I look around um, uh, my colleagues, they, you know, there are so many of them doing really, really good work, really good role related work with data. You know, we've got, you know, the policy officers, the researchers, um, you know, the the the, the press teams. Uh, the, the union organizers, I mean, just over the last year, um, every union in the UK has been running these epic uh, industrial action ballots, of tens of thousands of, of members. Do you want to go on strike? Got to get everything lined up, uh, send that off to the independent scrutiny. It's, you know, it's a, it's a hugely, I mean, democracy is a hugely, hugely data driven process. They've been cracking on with this for hundreds of years, basically, uh, you know, getting on with with uh, these data related functions. But it, as as they become more aware of the, the potential of the data that we're sitting on of the potential of the data in our wider ecosystem, they're getting frustrated about, you know, thing, things like why, why, can, why can we never get the same count of of members twice like if you count them you get this many if i count them i get this many what's going on there and i think uh the a lot of the time what we're hitting is these these nuances of meaning which haven't been resolved in this honestly it's you know the, partly due to this archaic data architecture which takes these um these diverse partitions of knowledge and smashes them together in a way that fails to to respect those nuances of meaning but when when we talk about like you know getting getting information out to the people who actually need it like can't take our eyes off the fact that we have this volunteer workforce and uh, you know how much how much information do we choose to give to them like how much information is safe to give to these different parties you know again uh you know how how do we govern data beyond our sphere of control um you know so when it comes to um you know legitimate purposes of data particularly personal data like how that relates to gdpr you know, when we when we provide that data to our reps, is it leaving the organization or is it still within the organization? There are there are such complexities that 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 get layered up with this idea of data democratization. And I I think in in any data democracy, you have to start with a really clear uh, uh constitution essentially what are we doing this for uh what are we doing it for and third no really what what are we doing this for because you um any any democracy has scales to it it has conditions to it it's not a free-for-all that's not democracy that's anarchy and unless we are really upfront, really, really clear from the start of this, we can't 
start to make sensible decisions about, you know, who who is this information going to? What are they allowed to use it for? What are the limits of what they can do with it? Um, and and then you start to design the the how and the where and. Oh, I'm, I'm taking a lot of notes here, Ginny. <laughs> um, this is excellent. I I have also been thinking a lot about um, uh, defining a democracy in relation to other ways of having a regimes or uh, rules of uh, like not states but companies or whatever you want to call this. But I see also that you're in an organization. That just it, it, it strikes me uh, it's uh, right now. In fact, that you're in an organization where the data democracy that you're trying to build internally to empower the members and the employees in in the organization is also affecting our societal democracy uh, quite substantially. In yeah. in the sense that whatever you can do for the employees and the members in your organization is something that they will be able to, to take and uh, not necessarily provide as products to a consumer, um, uh, to, to, to consumers, but uh, to, uh, to to the societal debate uh, in the democracy of the... It, it, I mean, it, like, there, are, there are so many interesting interactions there. I think, in, in, you know, those the interactions, it goes, it, it pushes in both directions, I think. You know, take, for example, as I say, uh, unions have very strictly constituted uh, democracies already, right? Uh, the, the decision-making uh, structures of, of unions, like oh, layers. Yes, of course, of course. Oh, That's yeah, honestly, also, and, yeah, and yeah. that, and that, that varies, uh, you know, uh, I think there's, I think there's a sort of naive assumption that a democracy is one thing, right? There's, there's one way mm. to do democracy. There, there is not a single way to do <laughs> democracy. And you see that, you know, I mean, you, you know, you, when you look around the world, different democracies have different conditions. You know, some of us have, uh, you know, one elected uh, parliament and an unelected upper house. Some countries have two elected houses uh you know we uh, we have regional democracies like we vote for our you know local council representatives you know you have those those constituencies of uh democracy so the the you know the the kind of fractal nature of of democracy there which you know says who who has a right to participate in these different things we have uh conditions on who is allowed to participate in democracies and there's a uh, you know an assumption of um eligibility and there's an assumption of ineligibility so for example like when we're born there's an assumption of ineligibility until we reach voting age right and then people are allowed to yes, vote yes. or you know in some uh, uh countries like you start being allowed to vote if you uh, you know if you commit certain crimes you're no longer allowed so you know it, it it flips in that way and all of these are possibilities um within a data democracy as well the, you know the uh for for example for our uh union reps they have a constituency of of members that they represent 
it may be reasonable for them to see some of the details of those members that they represent, but not the details of other members who they don't represent. So constituencies exactly. of data democracy. Um, what else? The, you know, when, when an employee starts, they probably have to have some kind of training before they are considered competent to handle personal data. Like, and there are there are legal stipulations that go over the top of that. In a in a democratic organization, we have decisions which are absolutely defined as the right of uh, you know our our elected uh, national executive committee. Right, those can't be democratized to staff or members based on the data that they have because it's written into our constitutions. So we are hedged about already with with limitations to what the data or let's say the decision making democracy, mm -hmm. the accountability democracy, limitations to what that can do, which ought to be informing our design of the data democracy that that supports them. So a data democracy uh, has to be governed uh, in some way, uh, according to you. It's it's not similar to a data anarchy. A data anarchy is without control, and, and, and there is no democracy in that. However, data democracies can be very different in nature. Uh, they can have they can take on many uh, uh, many different forms. Uh, so so a data democracy is not one thing. Uh, there is a certain uh, consideration to have about eligibility and ineligibility in, in a data democracy, and that can be translated into who can do what with what kind of data. Not everyone is supposed to be able to do everything with any kind of data. Um, that was takeaways from the data democracy. Besides that, I think you have a very, very interesting work experience going from a very mature, professional, high-tech, big data setup with state-of-the-art uh, research data, even on a topic that I think everyone should be uh, very engaged in, and that is climate, right? Um, to a setup where you're looking into a technology that is um, a technology landscape that is deeply affected by uh, legacy uh, legacy setups, uh, legacy, legacy technology, and the and the experience you have in that regard in turning that legacy setup slowly into something that is more modernized, democratizing the data so that more people can find and use more data for the right purposes, while still respecting the necessity and functionality of legacy technology. That is an extremely interesting uh, shift that you are experiencing there, I think, in, in your career. And so, so, so these were my takeaways. Did it? Did it really? Did it reflect more or less uh, what uh, you? Yeah, no, that's that, that's great. Message? That's great. I think I I right. think we could have. Uh, you said it at the beginning. We could have gone off in any number of directions. There. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, but it was a pleasure having you on. Um, Jenny, take care. And uh, people, where can they find you? Where should they follow you? Is that well? That is, I, like... LinkedIn is the obvious place. If you follow me on um, uh, uh, 
Mastodon, very welcome. You'll find a lot more sewing and dogs on Mastodon as well. <laughs> very good. Take care, Jenny. Thank you for, for joining the show. Thank you. Hey, this is Ole. I'm back with some takeaways following my conversation with Jenny Andrew, head of data at the Chartered Society of Physiotherapy. So thank you for listening in. These are the takeaways from our conversation. As a data leader, you should focus very much on building a network. If you are alone or only with a little group of uh, colleagues doing data management in an organization, you should really, really, really focus on building a network outside of your organization. Get to know people uh, that work in other organizations with similar uh, tasks in data management. Second, you should read the Dharma DM book. That is short for Data Management Book of Knowledge. It's published by Data Management International, Dharma International. And it is a little bit of a Bible for data managers. It's a book that a lot of practitioners know, and it provides a, a language to understand many of the problems at hand when you work with data management. So read that one, check out the references in it, and uh, continue reading uh, from that point on. And finally, as a data leader, you should build an architecture roadmap. Jenny was very clear in pointing out that you should strike a fine balance between wanting to move away from legacy technology and implementing a new technology at a reasonable pace, not going too fast in that direction either. So build an architecture roadmap. That is very important for you as a data leader. And the takeaways for the data democracy dimension of the talk Uh, first of all, uh, Jenny proposed that we should consider data constitutions, data democratic constitutions in our companies, our organizations. I wholeheartedly agree in that. And so the second takeaway is, okay, what should these constitutions look like? You have rights, but you also have duties in a democracy. And likewise, such a constitution should stipulate What are your data duties and what are your data rights? Jenny talked about eligibility and ineligibility in that regard, really point, pinpointing the fact that people can do certain things with certain, certain kind of data, but not everything with all kind of data. And so the final takeaway is about data governance. Data governance is the practical way that you enforce built a data democracy. So you should take great care of your data governance function and build it as democratically as you possibly can. Okay, this was the takeaways from the first episode. Stay tuned for more. Talk soon. Bye-bye.